So welcome to this call. Welcome to our fifth and final class meeting of How the New Can Come. And our special theme for the day turns out to be Thinking at the Edge, which, like focusing, is a practice based on Jean's philosophy of the implicit. And it's all about or very relevant to how the new can come. So that's all I need to say, Jean. Go right ahead. Okay. Hello. Thank you all for coming. Here you are. I want to say, first of all, that we're doing TAE, Thinking at the Edge, because when we lay something that we know, when we lay something out in front of us, when we conceptualize it, pattern it, see it in front of us, then in our bodies we understand more. And from this understanding more, we can lay out still more. So if we go back and forth, as I've been saying all through, then we keep developing both the body understanding, knowing, and what we can say. Mm. Then I want to say that uh, TAE is made for becoming able to say something that you know but haven't been able to say to yourself, first of all, and then haven't been able to say to other people. Mm-hmm. So it deals with something that you know somehow, that you know in your body but can't say. And that might be something that people, like in their profession or hobby or something that you know because you've done it a long time or you're quite expert in it or it matters to you or you have a passion about it, but it's hard to, it's hard to say what you know. Yeah? Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it works best in an area, like Anne just said, where you are very familiar, where you know all the stuff, if it's a discipline or a field or some aspect of living where you have done a lot of living. And then I want to say TAE has 14 steps, but steps are always only for learning, just like the focusing steps are for learning focusing. Once you know TAE, then there aren't any steps. Then you, your body knows how to use them all in any order. Then I want to say that for TAE, you need some interaction. In our TAE workshops, you would have a partner, and they would sit with you the whole time, all day, maybe three days, and write down everything you say, every scrap you say, so that when you say something and then a little later you say, what did I say? She has it right there and reads it back to you. But in uh, ordinary living, you don't usually have that kind of partner very much. You might go months thinking alone, but somewhere in all this you need some interaction. You need to be able to call somebody on the phone who will at least listen to you and say back when they don't understand for an hour or more, because without interaction it just doesn't go all the way. Mm-hmm. And then all I want to say is you're going to see some points here that I have made throughout but when you actually think at the edge, the points that I've laid out, they become visible. You can really see them. Mm-hmm. So I'll mention them. I won't repeat them. And I'm not going to repeat all the steps because they were sent to you and they're on, the, on our webpage. I'm going to say some things that I think will help with them. So for steps one and two, 
Mm-hmm. I'm again saying it's for something you know. But typically when we have a problem, we sit in front of the empty spot, the dead end where we don't know. Mm-hmm. So I say go back in yourself and say, what do I know here that makes me think this is worth working on? What do I know? Why am I working on this? What do I know? And you'll find that you know quite a lot. Otherwise, you wouldn't be working on this thing. Mm. So don't work the blank. Work the what you know, why it's worthwhile having this blank. Mm. Then I want to emphasize that the reason we can't say things that we know has to do with the fact that they seem illogical. They seem like they don't make sense. Mm. They're crazy. They're, they, they, they just don't lay out. They don't make sense. Mm-hmm. They're illogical. And therefore, since you're trying to say what you can't say, we need to center on the illogical. Mm. And if, if you can write some kind of a rough sentence that says that, that's fine. And if you can't, one way to do it is the illogical usually can be put in a paradoxical form. It is this and this way, and it also isn't mm. this and this way. Once you have that, you at least have the illogical spot pinpoint, pinpointed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then the only other thing is I very strongly argue that you can't do TAE without a a facet. I call it a facet. What I mean really is an instance, a time when it really happened. Mm -hmm. That time with the dentist, or that time Joe said such and such, or the time I was on the phone with her and, and, and we got into this hassle or whatever. Mm -hmm. There has to be a time when. And typically when we work on something like that, the first reaction to that request is to say it it happens all the time. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Well, it happens all the time is already a generalization. So even if it happens all the time, pick one. One facet, one time when it happened, that time with Jim. And hold on to that facet. And then I want to make a big general point, which I've made before, but you'll see it here. And that is that experience and reality are what I call implicit intricacies. That anything that actually happened doesn't have only one shape. It doesn't consist of only one set of units one set of clunks that you can certainly say what happened was this and this and this but because it happened it's so much more than that behind the this and this which you say and which is true no doubt behind that is this whole maze of different strands that you could pull out see this is so interesting to me Jean sorry I find this very exciting because I kind of knew um, any any human being is intricate in that way, and also any felt sense is intricate in that way. And but this is a new angle for me 
anything that happened is intricate in that way. Yeah, reality is intricate in that way. Uh huh. And that's why you're looking for instances. What really happened? Any instance is at least real. It happened. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Okay, then the steps three to five have to do with making fresh sentences, fresh poetic, metaphorical, maybe crazy sentences to say that illogical thing that you mean. It's not going to get said in the ordinary public language. Most people that that I find think that if they're going to say anything or write anything, it has to be expressed in the public language. Most editors will say, you have to say what the new thing that you mean so that they can recognize it in old terms. And I say, no, don't do that. Don't please the editor. Because when they recognize the old thing, they do not get your new thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Actually, so let me say that back. People, yeah. we, this feels like such a familiar dilemma to anyone who does writing. I run up against this. Also, how do I explain focusing to people who don't know it already? Will I explain it in terms they already know? Will I say it's like meditation? Uh, but then they'll think it's like meditation. And it isn't. There's my paradox. It is and it isn't. And so you, what you're saying is, no, don't try to say it in the old terms, in the old language. Okay. And the first way new language comes is often quite wild and poetic and crazy and wonderful. But for some purposes, you're going to want to translate it later into Latin and proper kinds of phrases. You can do that later. But right at this point, early on, value the fact that you can, if you're really free, you can come out with very fresh language, very fresh sentences. But to show why we have to do that, let me go a little bit slower here and say, first Mm. of all, when I work with people for TAE, I like them to really experience that the old public words just don't say what you mean. So I'll Mm -hmm. say, well, write a sentence. Okay, here's a sentence. Then I take the big word in the sentence, and I say, if we look that up in the dictionary, the dictionary says da-da-da-da, or gives two or three uses. Then they laugh because, oh, that's not what I mean at all. So then I say, well, how about another word? So they come up with another word. And we look that up again in the dictionary. You don't really have to do that. You can just ask yourself, what is the public meaning of that? What would anybody on the bus understand by that word? And you'll see that it's so different from what you mean. Mm-hmm. And you can do it with a third word. Then you have three words that don't say what you mean. Now, you, it comes really home that, oh, what I mean isn't what I say. Well, of course, that's why I wasn't able to say this. So now take your rough sentence and just take that big word out. So you have a slot. So you say, da 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 slot, da-da-da-da. Now, if you just let the slot be there in the sentence, then the sentence works. It says what you mean, of course, only to you, 
but it says what you mean. And that's very nice to see that what you really mean is a felt sense. Mm -hmm. It's it's something that hasn't been said or written. I wish we had an example of this, Gene. I'd like to hear what that's Uh, like. I hope people in the class will give me examples where where they're stuck, and then I can have an example of Mm. everything with you there. Okay. So then if you put the three... If you put any one of the three words that don't say what you mean, if you put any of those three back in the slot, but you keep the felt sense of the slot, then the old word crosses with your slot, and not only does it say what you mean, but it also says a new version of that old word. So if you had beautiful or empathy or or positive regard or any, any big term in there, when you put it into your slot, all of a sudden you say, oh, well, that word means a lot of things. But when I use it, I mean this and so. Mm. So it becomes possible to write those fresh sentences. Now, what do I mean by fresh sentences? Well, I, didn't, I did think just an, uh, half an hour ago that I should have some examples. The fresh sentences are, I like to say, First sentences are like bad poetry, mm-hmm. in the sense they're certainly poetry, but they are not fashioned by an artist. Mm. And as you will see, I'm not a poet. So I wrote, I said, don't say, no poet would ever say, the trees are beautiful in the wind and the sunlight. Mm-hmm. That's not a poetic sentence. Right. The poet would say something that sounds good, but like something like this. In the wind, a thousand separate leaves are beaming the sun at me. Uh-huh. I, was looking out, I was looking out the door, and that's what was happening. When I say that, then I'm freshly using ordinary words. Would you, would you say those two sentences again? Yeah, the one I don't like is... The trees are beautiful in the wind uh-huh. and in the sunlight. So that's kind of ordinary language. Uh, and the one that I say is a sample only, not, not beautiful, is in the wind a thousand separate leaves are beaming the sun at me. Uh-huh. Which okay. is what was happening. Yeah, yeah. This light was beaming right at me, intense sunlight. Yeah. But not one beam, but a thousand different leaves waving in the wind. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Then I took the word empathy, and I said, because a friend of mine wrote with that yesterday, and I said, how would I say empathy in fresh language? I would say, in my body, I feel the spot that the other person is in. Uh-huh. In my body. I feel the spot that the other person is in. And that's fresh language for what you mean by empathy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, when I use the word empathy, at least in the context that we were in yesterday, that's what I mean. If I had to, I would say, well, empathy can mean a lot of things. I don't want to legislate to the world what empathy means. But when I mean it just here... It means that in my body I can feel the spot 
that the other person is in. Right. The other way I said it is, I feel where the other person is speaking from. Uh-huh. So that's a second sentence, and this one yeah, is, same. I feel yeah, yeah. where the other person is speaking from. Uh-huh. So I'm saying you can create sentences like that, fresh sentences. They may not be sentences you ever want to publish. They may not be sentences you actually want to write somebody. But between you and you, they say your thing. Mm-hmm. And then they have other characteristics which are very important. Mm. The characteristic that they have is that they give you fresh terms. Mm-hmm. So the spot the other person's in, originally I wrote the spot that it leaves the other person in, mm-hmm. the, that they're talking from, the, 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 the spot, the predicament, the situation, the, mm. the life context, the place, I don't know, you call it any old thing, mm-hmm. but that, see I'm making a slot now, I'm saying that, what I'm calling the spot that the other person is in and speaking from, when I feel that, I always hear it, but when I feel that, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's where she's talking from. Yeah. I, I call that empathy. But I can also now set up a term. The term is called where, the, where she's speaking from. Uh-huh. Or maybe the spot she's speaking from. I, mm-hmm. I can decide later yeah. what to uh-huh. exactly. Uh, but that's a term now. Where's she speaking from? Mm-hmm. So I'll be using that in a moment. Right now, I'm 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 hoping you'll ask yourself: Can I write fresh sentences like that? And probably mm-hmm. you've written them, mm-hmm. but then you thought you couldn't use them. Well, they're crucial. Mm. So the the big point which you can see here is that I've been saying it throughout is that language is implicit in human bodies it's explicit in human experience therefore fresh language can come speaking I'm going to use a fresh sentence myself mm-hmm. speaking pours us out freshly into language patterns. Speaking pours us out freshly into language patterns. <laughs> yeah. And you can feel that that's, that's right. When I don't know how to say something, there is already implicit language in there. It's just not coming out because I'm not satisfied. It's not, it's not yet capable of being So that, 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 that spot of of not being able to say something like that uh, 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 has implicit language is what you're telling us. It's not being wordless. Yeah, and if, it's word- if you free it up, I guess I'm arguing it's not wordless. It's, yeah. It has the 800,000 words of the English language sitting there, yeah. but it isn't ready to pick the... Ten words that it needs to pick and arrange them grammatically yeah. to say what you want to say, but right. it knows that it can't say it. Mm-hmm. And then when you free it up to say, "Well, tell me something about it," then it can say a lot. 
It just can't say it yet. And then if you free it up to say, tell me freshly, freely, crazy, metaphorical, poetical, any way you want, tell me something about it. Out pours fresh language because then it frees up the body to generate the fresh language. So I would like, at this point, if you would ask yourself and see what comes there, if you would ask yourself, can I do that? Have I done that? Is that familiar to me? Can I write a crazy sentence now? Can I let language pour out all fresh and new? Say something that's never been said before in the history of the world. When I ask myself that, I can feel that if I've got one of those felt senses where I can feel there's something that needs to be said or wants to be said, then that could come from there. Right, and then that would be a long way from anything that that this responsible Anne would put into a letter about something yeah. or a statement or an advertisement or anything like that. Right. But all the same, it will help do that eventually. I'll, yeah. I'll argue. Right. So one more, one more unit, steps six to eight, I want to talk uh-huh. about, uh-huh. is the way in which you can get a pattern for the illogical thing. The illogical thing seems to make it impossible to get a pattern because it, you can't get a usual, commonly known pattern. It's a contradiction. It is and it isn't, or it's complicated. So here I'm saying for section six to eight, you need some more instances, some more facets. You need at least two or three. So you stop and you say, well, when else did this ever happen? Well, it happens all the time with Karen. All right, but we got to pick one time it happened with Karen. Oh, yeah, that conversation. What was that about again? You might even have to spend a minute or two recalling the, mm. the thing. But then you have it, another facet. And then we go and we look for a pattern, and a pattern for the illogical spot. And so, for example, I will take Anne's familiar thing about how if we can turn around and be nice to the part inside that bugs us, that feels so bad, that's so hurt or so angry or in such a bad mood, if we can turn around and welcome it, then it will turn out to have some good things to say, even if the first two, three things it says are are not welcome. Uh But if we welcome them anyway, and if we can be glad that it's speaking to us, then everything goes swimmingly from there. So I I took that example for myself, but I took it at the times when it doesn't work, because that's where I'm interested. Why doesn't it always right away turn? Sometimes I go and I do all the right things, and then when I check with my body, I'm still in a bad mood. Yeah. It didn't turn. So what is this turn? So when I looked at it, I found that in the turn I feel bad, and when I feel bad, something is coming at me. Whereas when I feel good, when I'm functioning the way I want, I'm functioning from me. And that was a a pattern that immediately 
I immediately liked. Oh yeah, I can take almost anything and look at it and say, is this at me or is this from me? So when I'm all pressured, if I feel right now that I have to hurry because I'm taking too much time for this first part, that's coming at me. Mm. When I say, now look here, this is my class, and I can do the best that I can do if I can own it and feel free. And Oh, now I'm talking from me. Mm-hmm. You feel the difference? Mm-hmm. And most any time you can stop and say, okay, is this at me and how do I get it to turn into from me? Mm-hmm. That's a, that was a very successful pattern for about a minute. <laughs> and then I thought, yeah, I know, but you're trying to get a pattern for the turn. There's nothing illogical about your from me in contrast to at me. That makes perfect sense. But what you want is to turn. How does something coming at me, how do, how come I get it to turn when I welcome it and listen to it? And does it turn into a from me? And I won't take the time now to go through there, but doing that, I found an that I needed another another thing. I needed the ordinary life situation to be a from with me. And I won't go into why that is, but then I could say, if I can manage a from me at the at me, then it turns. And what Anne's formula amounts to is, go and do a from you at the at you. <laughs> well, that certainly does sound like a strange sentence, Jean. <laughs> but that is what you're saying. You're saying you're beset by this thing. Now go and listen to it as if you were free and this was another person and you're welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then I felt a lot of understanding from that. I felt like, oh, of course I can't always manage that. That's pretty tricky. Hmm. When, you, when you're not speaking from you, speak from you anyway at this place that's speaking at you. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. There isn't, of course. No wonder that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So then I like my pattern. My pattern is manager from you at the at you. <laughs> you know, is it this right? Is this right? You know, you've got a pa- pattern to go on with when it gives you a kind of of course or no wonder yeah, right. feeling. Uh-huh. That's right. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And so once you have a pattern, and there's some complications here. I'm skipping. I like to have more than one facet. So when I looked at my second facet, this pattern didn't fit right away. And so then I said, no, I want my second facet to be an instance of this past. Mm -hmm. How could it be an instance? And then it was. And I can't explain that right now because I'm just on time with half an hour in. (laughs) So I want to say at this point, after step six to eight, we come to step nine, where we just say, now write it freely, write it different ways, write it at length, write it for different people. Now you're free to write it to anybody. And people find that that's so. And the typical TAE stops here. You've got it now. You can write it. You can say it in a couple sentences. You can say it. You can write a book about it. You can say it in a long letter and in a short letter. And here's the, the opportunity to say it in 
proper Latin terms for people who are like that and for more ordinary terms and people who are like that. And for your friend Josie, you can say it so she'll understand it because you know her. You can write it any old way and say it any time. Mm. And people are very appreciative of of that mm-hmm. result. And, of course, the TAE steps go on to a second stage after some questions and a break. We'll go there where we build a formal theory. Mm-hmm. And we'll get there. Right now I want to hear from you. Anything is welcome. 